that funny story about this guy was walking along and uh, he fell off a cliff. And as he was falling, there was a tree that was growing out of the side of the, of the cliff and he grabbed the branch. And he goes, he was so thankful that he was spared. And he wasn't, uh, he didn't know God or anything, but he just, he was trapped. And so he yelled up to heaven and said, is there anybody up there? God's booming voice said, I'm God, your father. And he says, let go and I'll catch you. The man looked up and said, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Trust. I think that's sometimes the church. That's sometimes us, is it not? You know, God wants us to, to do something. It's, we have to trust. But uh, I, I want to tie in. I, I felt like last week we, I had to hurry through that. And uh, I'm really working on my cutting it down to the right time. Today it's going to even be tighter. But uh, I'm trying to work on my cut down time so I'm not as long-winded. I know you all probably don't think so. I'm just looking at everybody that's laughing. That's, that kind of says it all. But anyway, uh, I am working on that. But um, I had a good pastor friend, still a good pastor friend, who had a crisis a few weeks ago uh, that um, it was overwhelming. His 70-year-old son, they thought he was going to die. He was in ICU. The doctors could do nothing for him as far as he wasn't improving. And so they thought he was going to die, seven years old. Here he is, a pastor of a church, and he was devastated, totally devastated. And he felt like, you know, he couldn't stand, he couldn't believe God, he couldn't do anything. He was just, I mean, staying up all night, you know, 24-7 in ICU, him and his wife, and it was just a, a mighty crisis, if you can imagine that. And so he called me and he called some people. And, uh, you know, if you're ever in a crisis, you want to call people that will stand with you and not give you sympathy as far as, oh, that's not what you want. Or definitely you don't want people like, well, maybe it's the Lord's will to take him. No, you don't want that. And that's just people who don't belittle people like that. I'm not saying that at all. But at the same time, when in a crisis situation, you want people that will be your Aaron and her who who will hold up your arms and and stand with you. And so all of us did that, and we just told him, he says, man, you don't even worry about standing in faith. We're standing, and the God inside of you is standing, so don't even worry about it. And make a long story short, in just a few weeks' time, man, that that child is 100% strong, no repercut, nothing. Nothing has happened to that. So my point is this, we, we have to grow in our trust to God. We have to grow in our trust to God. And last week, I was t- we were talking about worry, and uh, I believe that God is helping us in every area of our life. But uh, the Phillips translation, this is, I like this, trans- I like all kinds of translations. If you're just a King James Version person, I'm just not going to say anything. The Phillips translation says, Matthew 6, 31 says, so don't worry and don't keep saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
That is what the pagans or that is people who don't look to God or believe in God are always looking for. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Set your heart on the kingdom and his goodness. Set your heart on the kingdom and his, what? Goodness. And all these things will come to you as a matter of course. In other words, it's just going to come to you. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Now, the King James Version says, you know, make sure you're seeking the kingdom of God. First of all, this was pre-cross. Pre-cross. How many know that the cross changed everything? I said everything. So God or Jesus was telling them that make sure you're, you're seeking the kingdom. And there's a ditch on both sides of the road. You know, there's the ditch where I was used to be in and like, man, we just got to press in and just really got to get a hold of God. We got to seek him. We got to, oh, we got to, we got to. We got to fast more. We got to pray more. You got to. And um, that's a ditch. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But anyway, it, it's just a ditch. And, but there's the other side that says, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. That's a ditch on the other side. But I do know this. After the cross, the kingdom of God is no longer to be sought as an external thing because the kingdom of God is in you. How many think it's pretty easy to find something if it's inside you? If it's clo that close to you, it's pretty easy. So don't let the enemy say, oh, you got to strive more to, you know, uh, to, to get a hold of the kingdom of God. No, it's in you, honey. It's in you. So there's no striving. It's just acknowledging that God's kingdom is inside of us. So he sits there and he says, don't worry about it. It's in you. It's in you. So trust. You got to believe that. You got to trust God by believing that what he said is true for you. The word trust, it's a firm belief in the reliability and truth, ability or strength of someone or something. It's a firm belief in the reliability and truth and ability and strength of someone or something. So when you're trusting God, it's his reliability. It's his faith. It's his power. Not so, because the church has always done this. We've always tried to put the focus on us. So this rethink God whole thing is to say, okay, we got to rethink God as far as serving him is taking it off of us and putting it on him, putting it on him. And uh, this scripture in John 16, I'm so excited about this. I've been meditating upon this scripture. I, the Lord has showed me some things this week that I've never seen in my whole entire life. John 16, I like the Amplified uh, on this, it says, I have told, let me give you a background first. This is Jesus getting ready to, uh, to leave the planet. He's getting ready to be crucified and resurrected. This is some of the last things that he said to his disciples. How many know when you're going on vacation or going someplace, you say the most important things right before you walk out the door? You know, I don't tell my boys when my wife and I are getting ready to go someplace, you know, I don't tell them, make sure you brush your teeth, make sure you put on deodorant. No, I don't care about any of that. Make sure you feed the dog that he doesn't die. You know, important things. Check the mail. Make sure the garage door is closed when you come in, when you go to bed at night. You know, really important stuff. Not frivolous, non-important stuff. All right? So this is Jesus 
saying this to his disciples, but he's saying this to you and me today. Are you ready? I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials, distress, and frustration. Some of you had that before you even came to church. Be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. I like that word. That means I don't flinch. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Jesus did not leave heaven to come and conquer the world for himself. He came for the purpose of conquering it for you and me. And so I started meditating upon this. How many know that he said this before he went to the cross? Jesus said, I have already conquered the world for you. I always had the mentality that Jesus did all the conquering in his resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. Here, it just opened up my eyes. He says, I've already conquered it for you. I've deprived it of its ability to harm you. Now, don't get me wrong. I know as far as the Bible is concerned, as far as God is concerned, not the Bible. As far as God is concerned, the death, burial, and resurrection happened before the creation of the world. In the mind of God, all of that had already, before Adam was ever created, in the mind of God, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus had already been done. That's kind of hard to wrap your head around it, but it's, God, how many know that God doesn't live in time? He's outside of time. So as far as he's concerned, it was a done deal. And so in other words, all of the answers, all of the solutions have already been thought of, are already been done, and already been accomplished before you even have a problem. Now I know there's different ways to look at this. Jesus is a faith God, and so he naturally can sit there and say, I've already conquered it for you because by faith he knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to be dead three days, and he knew that he was going to be resurrected. So he could say, I've already conquered it for you, being in faith, knowing that he was going to do that. And as far as he was concerned, it was done. I get that, and I believe that's true. But I also believe the part that he had already conquered it before he went to the cross. And I'll make my point. As far as lack, as far as the curse is concerned, as far as sickness and lack, Jesus in the th his three years of ministry conquered all of those things before he went to the cross. For example, when there's 5,000 people that needed to be fed, he fed them. I mean, no, that's a big lack. To, and to be able to take a little boy's lunch and provide food for 5,000 people, that's a pretty good deal. When Peter needed to pay his taxes, him and Jesus, Jesus says, okay, I want you to go fishing. Peter goes, you know, I'm a fisherman. This is not the time. We, <laughs> we need to pay tax. We need to be serious about this. He says, I know, I want you to go fishing, and this is how you're going to take care of of the lack. My point is, Jesus conquered lack before he even went to the cross. Lack had no power over him, even before he went to the cross. Sickness and disease, 
He had power. There was no sickness, no disease that Jesus didn't say, you're going to have to wait because I haven't been to the cross. No, he conquered. Every time somebody came to him for healing, he healed them. Death, he conquered death. Did he conquer it at the grave in the resurrection? Yes, he did that for you and me. But he was saying to the world, he was saying to the devils, he was saying to everybody, I've got this. He raised Lazarus from the dead after he'd been dead, and he stinketh four days later. My point is this, is that Jesus said, I've done all this, and I've proved that I can do this, and I've shown you that I can do this, so you will know. You're going to take great peace that I've done it for you. I've done it for you. That just brought me, I know we we look at that in the death, burial, and resurrection, but he did all of that even before that to show that he was truly the son of God. He was talking to the the religious people and he said, listen, if you don't believe me, my words, at least believe me for the works that I'm doing, the miracles that I'm doing. So I started thinking about this. So as far as you and me are concerned, what did Jesus conquer? He said he conquered the world. But what is that when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road for you and me? This has helped me and as far as having my needs met and as far as walking in health. Because when I have a lack, instead of just really trying to get my faith and really seek the kingdom of God, no, no, no. I take a step back and I say, God has already conquered that for me. When a symptom comes on my body, you know, you just get some symptom and you go, oh man, I got to get in faith. I got to get, oh man, I got to conquer this. I got to fight this. I got to get this, but I got to get this. And now I go, <laughs> Jesus has already beat this for me. Cancer, he's already beat that for me. Pain in my body, he's already conquered that for me. Did you get that? That is powerful. Why? Because it takes Mike out of the picture. The devil keeps saying, Mike, you got to do this. You got to perform even when it comes to faith. You got to perform. I do not. I resist trying to perform in any area as far as what God has done. See, because that's what the church keeps doing, putting the focus back on you. Oh, I believe we have faith. We got to really have faith. Oh, yeah, I know the grace of God, but it's still, Pastor, you got to do this. We got to do this. No, I don't because he has conquered it for me already. In 1 John 5, 4, I really, I really like this. It says, this is a victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So, do you realize that Jesus, I always thought I was just, again, putting the emphasis on me. This scripture is I believe what Jesus was saying in, in John 16, 33. He says, I've conquered the world for you. How did he do this? This is the victory that overcomes the world, the faith of Jesus, the faith of Jesus. His faith, he was saying to his disciples, you know what, I just want you all to know, I've overcome the world and this is how I've done it, by my faith. First John 5, 4 is not just for you. Jesus had to walk in that as well. This is the victory that overcomes the world. What, what victory did Jesus have? He says, I've overcome the world. How did he do it? By his faith. Do you think that the faith of Jesus is enough 
to heal your body, to cause you to have every need met, to cause you to walk in all the blessings of God, to cause you to forget about your past and your failures and your mess-ups and your screw-ups and everything that you've done wrong, every decision that you've made bad or poor? Do you think his faith is strong enough to make everything right? You and I do not, do not deserve that. That is called grace. His grace is so powerful. His faith is so powerful. And the two of those possessions are inside you and me today. So that's why he said, have peace. Have confidence. Be undaunted. You're going to have things are going all hell is going to break loose. A nuclear bomb is going to go off inside your life and just all kinds of stuff is going to happen. But I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, just rest in peace. And you go, what? If you're looking on the external and focus on the external, it's really hard to have the peace. But when you focus on Jesus and the kingdom that is in you and realize and trust that he has conquered this thing that you're facing already. Whatever you're facing has already been conquered. I'm going to say it again. Whatever you're facing has already been conquered. So if you look to him and trust him, it's going to cause you to rest. In Hebrews, he says, enter into my rest. How can you enter into his rest? When you trust that he has conquered it for you. You know, I, I, there's been a couple of Facebook things that I've seen about this, this story. And uh, uh, there's a couple of pastor friends of mine. They says, man, that's a cool illustration. I said, that illustration's been around for 20 years. I've said, I've already said it three or four times. And everybody's acting like it's brand new. And it just makes me think, dear Lord, I've, I must be getting older because <laughs> I've heard that for a long time. It's nothing new. So anyway, there's this story. I've re- I said this in the first service and over half the congregation never heard it before. I go, up with that but anyway I'm from Louisville Kentucky which is a big boxing town Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali they named a street after him he's a hero for our city because he's one of the greatest boxers that ever lived and um, when I was growing up boxing was a big thing in my town and uh, so this illustration is about a prize boxer 10 million dollar prize and he's in the ring, and he's taking the punches, and he's giving the punches, and he's giving it all out. He's fighting. He's doing it. And he's doing float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. You know, he's doing it all. <laughs> doing it all. Knocks the dude out. The referee just raises his hand and gives him the thumbs up. You are the conqueror. Hands him the $10 million check. And his cute little 115-pound wife squeezes through the ropes into the ring, grabs the check, kisses him, and walks out. And we know that he is a conqueror, but she is more than a conqueror. How many have not heard that illustration? I guess I'll say it every six months. But you know, that's a picture of you and me. Jesus is in the ring. Paul said, thanks be to God who always causes me to 
triumph in him. That's a picture of you and me. But what the church and what we've tried to do is put ourselves in the ring. We put ourselves back in the ring and, and Jesus is in there. We go, no, no, no. Okay. I got my gloves on. I'm ready. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. You know what the good fight of faith is? Believing in what he has already done for you and me. That's the good fight of faith because that's a fight you never can lose. I said that's a fight you can never lose because it's a done deal because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. He's already fought the fight. You and me can step back and say, I'll take that check. Mike, M-I-K-E, Davis, D-A-V-I-S, and put as many zeros behind that one that will fit on that check. In the King James Version, it says, I've overcome the world. In the Greek, that phrase means I've overcome the world, I am overcoming the world, and I will always be overcoming the world. So what does he overcome for you? What has he conquered for you? It's anything that you will face. That's what he conquered for you. So my point is, listen to me. If you don't get anything, get this. Whatever you face, whether it's financial, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your marriage, you know. I mean, you got to look at it. If, if your car gets repossessed, you just got to believe, I'm getting a better car. If you're facing a sickness or disease, you got to believe that Jesus has defeated this already. Not that... God, will you defeat it for me? Will you take care of this? No, 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 no. We're not looking at it that way anymore. We're looking at it as past tense. Jesus defeated this for me. And you make it personal. You get a headache. Just start doing this with a headache. Jesus has already done this for me. He's defeated this for me. I remember I used to get, you know, migraines really bad. And they would usually last six, eight hours, sometimes 12 hours. And my day would be runt. And uh, so what the Lord had really started teaching me this. And, I, and man, I would take Advil. And then after whatever, two or three hours, I'd take the Tylenol and then Excedrin. And I'd just empty the med. No, I didn't do it. But I mean, <laughs> and 90% of the time, it didn't, it didn't help. But I was trusting in those drugs to help me. And, I, and listen, if you're taking drugs... Medication. Let me back up on that. Yeah. Anyway, if you're, if you're taking medication, we're in Colorado for those who are watching online. But if, if you're taking medication, <laughs> it's a fun place to preach. They're a lot more receptive in Colorado. But anyway, getting back on point. What was my point? Oh, if you're taking medication, I'm not saying, you know, you don't trust in that. But you, when we take medication, we really put our trust in that, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with that. But the Lord started teaching me. He says, I want you to trust me as much as you trusted in that medication, which really didn't help you that much. He says, can you do that, Mike? I said, yes, I can. He says, because I want you to know that I defeated the headaches for you, and you've been trying to defeat the headache. You've been trying to get enough faith. You've been trying to stand when all you've done is stand. He says, I want you to know that you stand because you're looking at me that I've already defeated it for you. I'm telling you, I have more victory in anything that's come against me in the last 18 months. It's just that, listen, this is for you and me. The Lord wants you to know this. I resist this because Jesus defeated it for me. 
He conquered it. He didn't just defeat it. He conquered it for me. How many know that Jesus didn't come down to conquer the world for himself? He didn't need to prove that. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords before he ever came to earth. But he did this for you and me. The message translation says this. John 16, 33. I've told you all this so that trusting me, trusting me, I've told you all of these things so that you're going to be trusting me and you will be unshakable, assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. You're going to experience difficulties, but take heart. Why? I've conquered the world. He's conquered it for you and me. And he did it by his faith. This is a victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And God wants you to know that this trust is a two-way street. A lot of emphasis is put on trusting God, and I agree we, that you do. If you want to have more victory in your life, you just trust him. But I, I saw something this week that I feel like a lot of us need to get a hold of, and that is God, your father, he trusts you. Have you ever been at an intersection where the signal light is out or not working? That's happened on Highway 50 going home to me several times. You know, the, either one or two things. If it's like a major storm or something and there's no power, you know, you don't come to the intersection and just go, speed limit 65, hammer down. That's not what most people should, should do. You should not do. When you come to an intersection and there's no light, you stop. And <laughs> for those who are watching, you need to stop. You need to stop. If those who don't know, <laughs> please stop. And you wait to your turn and everybody takes their turn. Or if the light, have you ever gone and it's flashing red on all four sides? It's flashing red. Well, you don't pull up to the signal light and go, it's red. I, I'm just going to wait till it turns green. <laughs> I've gotten behind somebody like that before. And you think like, ah, hey, 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 I'm not being impatient, but you know, I'm not, it could be hours before they fix it. You're not supposed, you're not supposed to wait until they come and fix it just because it's flashing red. But the city, listen to me, the, the city has given you and me trust to do the right thing. You, when it's flashing red, you go, you, they take his, his turn, his turn. Now it's my turn. The city trusts you to do that. The Lord taught me that. He says, Mike, there's so many people, there's probably listening or watching that are stressed out because I'm just really waiting for God to speak to me. I'm just, I need to hear God. I just need to hear God. And it's that whole scenario when the light is out. The Lord's saying, I trust you. I trust you. You don't have to hear every single thing from me. Why? Because first of all, he's inside of you. And if you make a decision, it's not like Jesus has no influence in you. First Corinthians chapter 6, he that is joined to the Lord is... One spirit. So therefore, if you make a decision, it's not just you, honey. <laughs> Did you hear that? 
Lord, please speak to me. I'm not hearing you. Well, what do you want to do? I remember in 2015 when I bought my truck, I was really just twisted. Of course, this was four years ago. I was just learning about the grace message and some things that the Lord's taught me over the last four years. And man, it was just, I was just stressed out about, you know, really, I've been looking for years for the truck on and off. And finally, I was at a position, I'm going to buy me a truck. And so, you know, I was just stressed out, you know, because I'm a, a bells and whistle type of guy. Do you know what that means? If it's on a vehicle, I want it. Have you seen the cars, Disney? That's what I want. I want my car to talk to me. I want it to have everything, you know, the, you know, the cars. What, what's the, the number one car of the show? Lightning. Lightning. McQueen? Yeah. I mean, I, I want my vehicle. I want it to sound like that. Even when it's turned off, I want people to look at it and go, that's par. There's par in that car. That's the kind of vehicle I want. So that, but I went to God and I said, you know, Lord, I, I really don't have to have that though. I mean, you know, I don't and everything. And so this is when dad and mom were in Africa. And so I called dad and I said, dad, I'm just torn about this vehicle and everything. He said something that set me free. He says, Mike, if I had enough cash, he says, I would pick you the most awesome truck, any truck that you want with the most bells. He knows what I'm like. The most, and I would just go pay cash for it. Having said that, your heavenly father loves you way more than I do. I hung up the phone and I was free. And then guess what? I put myself in a position to where I could hear God. He was speaking to me all the time, but you know, God speaks all the time, but sometimes if you're just so religiously stressed out of your gourd, this is what I heard in my heart. The Lord says, I don't care what truck you drive. I am going to be driving it. You're stressed out about that. He says, I don't really care. What do you want? He says, you look at Melody, your wife. She just, this is what she wants. How many cup holders does it have? How many? I've been buying vehicles since I was 16. I was 16 when I bought my first vehicle. I, to this day, have never asked that question. Never. And never will. You know, I don't look at a car and go, so, how many cup holders does that thing have? <laughs> Where they're located. That's important where they're located. That's her second question. And where are they? I don't know. What do you mean where? They're inside the car. I know, but I need to know where they're at inside the car. So that's important to her. So when she buys a vehicle, that's what she's going to ask. And so she will never get the same vehicle that I want. Never. Never, you know. But the point is this. God wants you to say, what do you want? What do you like? Quit getting stressed out about it. Are you out there? Trust. Four more minutes. This is how I know that God trusts you and me today. Are you ready? This is going to set a lot of you free. Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. This is Moses, and this is after he left Egypt which means this is after he killed the Egyptian, after he told all kinds of lies, after he did all kinds of garbage stuff. This is Moses, Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. It says this, but not with my, the New Living Translation, but not with my servant Moses of all my house. He is the one I trust. 
he is, this is Jesus, this is God the Father and the Holy Ghost, the Godhead is saying, Moses is the one I trust. I don't know about you, but I would have probably put, this is the one I sometimes trust. Sparingly, I trust. Every once in a while, on the odd even, uh, or the odd years, or maybe the even, every, depends on what day, because of what he did. But Jesus and the God, the Father, didn't say that. This is Moses, the one whom I trust. And so I started thinking about people in the Bible. Are you ready? Saul, the first king of Israel. God trusted him. He picked him, so he was handpicked by God. And yet Saul was the one who kept disobeying God, never did the right, kept making wrong decisions time after time again. And then he had anger issues. And he had depression you remember the story where the, he would throw a spear and get all this depression and everything and they called David in to play the harp to cool him down and he would get calm. I wouldn't have picked him. Wouldn't have picked him somebody like that. God picked him. How about Samson? He was anointed by God, empowered, graced by God. That dude had women issues like nobody's business. I mean, his family kept saying, why don't you stay with the children of Israel? There's nice women in, in, in our camp. No, he was out. I want that one. Look at her. He had women issues. God didn't. How many believe that God knew that he was going to have women issues? God picked him. God, listen to me, trusted him. Abraham. You know, that whole woman thing, you know, his wife, which most women would never, he couldn't do that today. Who's this woman? It's my sister. You wouldn't have to worry about God trusting him. His wife would have killed him right then. But anyway, no, but God trusted him. Peter, this is a biggie. He denied even knowing Jesus. After walking with him for three years, he denied even knowing Jesus. I don't know about you, but if I had a real close friend, Real, real close friends. Somebody says, hey, I saw you eating lunch with Pastor Mike. No, I don't know. No, I saw you. He looked like me, but I mean, that's not me. No, I, I don't know. I'll be going, really? Jesus trusted him. And then that whole, how about Solomon? Wisest man on the planet. The dude had 700 wives. I don't know, but I think that's... Not the wisest thing to me. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to judge, but I mean, if you've got 700 wives and 300 concubines, a total of 1,000 women that you're trying to please, come on now, you're telling me he's the wisest man? I don't know, but that's what God said. I'm just saying. That's, I wouldn't have trusted that dude. I thought Samson had issues. No, Solomon, man, he went way above Samson, man. I got 1,000 women. Samson just had them, one here and one there. <laughs> Solomon trumped him. God trusted him. Rahab, the prostitute. The spies that came out of Egypt, you know, and they were getting ready to conquer the land, and they went into Jericho, and here's Rahab, the prostitute. And she, they had to trust her to keep them safe and not say anything. Not only did that happen, that she protected them, but the lineage of Jesus came through the prostitute life of Rahab even if I did that 
I would not have wanted that recorded for everybody throughout all eternity to read. I'm just saying. That's just me, you know. Hey, where's your lineage? Oh, you got really clean people and everything? No, we got prostitutes. We got some people in our lineage tree. Jesus trusted a prostitute. Aaron, did I say anything about Aaron? The high priest that hears from God, he creates a calf. You know, it's not what you see on the Ten Commandments. It's 12 feet wide. 14. It's just a little baby thing most theologians believe. This is the God who brought you out of Egypt. Really? He's called by God, anointed by God, trusted. God trusted him. Why am I saying all these things? The majority of the people I mentioned were before the cross even, before the new covenant. Paul, how about Paul, who was Saul? Can you imagine God up in heaven saying, you know, the church is a little bit stagnant. We need to shake things up. Guys, let's go down there and, and let's recruit Saul. I'm sure the angels will probably get, what? He, he's killing people that are a part of, of our family. I mean, no, I mean, locking them up and everything. You, you want him? Yeah, let's get him. Go down there and get that dude. I wouldn't have. Would you? I mean, I would have got somebody that was from the church. My point is this. God trusts you today, and it's not based upon your performance. That is such a free. I'm telling you, that is, it set me free. That God trusts me, and it's not because I'm a goody two-shoes. I'm not trying to put everything in line, but I'm just saying he trusts every single person in here and every person that's watching me, he trusts you. Amen, amen. He trusts you. That'll set you free. It'll cause you to hold your head up. It'll cause you to walk in his blessings and promises like never before because God trusts you. If he can trust a prostitute, if he can trust a tax collector that will rob you, if he can trust somebody that will deny him, if he can trust all of these people that were just not your expertise type, resume type people, he will trust you and me today. So hold your head up high and know that your God loves you and trusts you today. Amen. I've gone over. Let's stand. Amen. Everything changes after the cross. We want to pray for you today. On my left and on my right, these people are going to pray for you today. But I want you to get something from this message that God, yes, you're supposed to trust God. But if you're going through a hard time, pull up that scripture in the Amplified John 16, 33. And just start saying these things when you're facing things. Jesus conquered this for me. And it doesn't turn out like if your car gets repossessed, just believe it's going to get better. I'm going to get better. Don't let, it's conquered for you. Tomorrow's another day. Trust him with your life, with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your children. Trust him. And then on top of that, know that he trusts you. He does. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this thing called trust that we can firmly rely. Father, we trust you, and I'm thankful that you trust us, and it's not based upon our performance, but it's based upon the Christ that is in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you for helping us to not be stressed out with decisions in our future, never to be stressed out. 
that you trust us to make right decisions. And even if we make a wrong decision, the grace of God can help us to get out of that and get back on the right path. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer, the